privilege to bring the word to every one of us present this evening. And like I would always say, it is a privilege. Uh, I will not take it for granted. I give honor to whom all, all honor is due in the house, our mama in the house, the pastorates, and the leaders. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, when I was told I was going to, when I was scheduled rather for today, I, I was just praying, God, just give me a word. Like three months ago, I was just praying, God, give me a word for today. Give me a word for today. Uh, I've already rounded up uh, this, this brief series, which I did, and I, I I had so many things to say, but I was just asking God for a specific word. And recently I, I traveled home and I had the opportunity of sharing the word with a group of people. And the Holy Spirit said, why don't you share this again? I said, no, I need something new. And then the next thing he said, what are you trying to prove? Share this, someone might it might be a blessing to somebody in the house. And I sincerely pray, and that was my prayer throughout this week up to, up to now, that one person, if it's just one person that is reached out to, I'm good, and the Holy Spirit is also good. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So I, I did something, but I think I'm not going to do it here. Uh, it was when I preached halfway that I gave the topic of the lesson. So most people thought I forgot. I said no. But I will first of all give you the title. Actually, the title is in between the the teaching, but I don't want to keep anyone hanging. (laughs) Uh, It's simply, what is your reference point? What is your reference point? Every one of us sitting down here this morning. I hope I'm talking loud enough. Sometimes I I talk uh, uh, low. We have a reference point in our lives. One way or the other. What What does that simply mean? It means something you can refer to, you can actually look back to that actually uh, you can relate with. So, the definition of that uh, reference point is an idea. It says a reference point is an idea, a fact, an event that you already know. It has happened before or probably you've seen it before. So you have a knowledge of it. So when you see it again, it brings back memories of whatsoever it is to you. So it said which you already know, which help you to understand or make a judgment about another situation. So you can say, based on this, we always say, okay, I can infer that this will happen. So your reference point can give you a judgment. It could be a better judgment, and it could also be (laughs) a bad judgment, depending on the situation or the experience. Now, that being said, 
I want you, because I'm, uh, when the Holy Spirit told me to say, uh, speak this out today, I, I was just kind of roaming in my mind. And I was also relating it back, uh, to me too, that someone might be either projected or derailed by whatever reference points they have. But God has given us a reference point. So, let's go into the world so I don't look as if I'm talking academics. <laughs> let's go to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to read verse 1 to 3. It's a long passage. Uh, we're just going to take verse 1 to 3 first. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Cana, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Take note of that. He said, go spy out the land which I am giving to the children of Israel. Then Moses went further. He said, okay, give it to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone, a leader, among them. Everyone, a leader among them. Verse 3. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Param according to the command of the Lord. All of them went, sorry, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. So God gave Moses a command that don't just choose any man, don't choose any person. They should be leaders. Specific, he said, leaders. Now, I'll come back to that. Let's go back to verse 2. He says, send men to spy out the land of Cana, which I am going to give to you, or which I am giving. Giving. And I want you to know, that everything God has promised you, you can have it. Amen. Amen. But there's a but. I want to ask these questions. And I'm also asking myself. God has given me so many promises. God has given you so many promises. How many of them have you achieved? Have you achieved them all? No. Now, I want to say something that the fact that God has given you a promise, my son, contrary to the first word I said, I said you can achieve them. You might not. A clause. Not until you fight for it. Now, when, I was, when the Holy Spirit dropped this into my heart, that not until you fight for it. I said, God, I don't know how to explain this to your children because there are so many questions in between that word. There are some that will say, okay, I have prayed, I have fasted, but I haven't seen yet. It is a process. That was the word that came to me. Achievement and where you are is a process. 
you need to fight and you need to start fair. Now, remember that the spiritual controls what? The physical. I always claim this word in Ephesians chapter 1. I think if you have it, can you project it, sir? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It's one of my core scripture, and that is one of the ways I fight my battle as I praise. It says, do we have it there? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, 1, 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So, God made the promise to them. And that promise was not just to them. It was what? Has been backdated in the, to the time of what? Abraham. Now, let's go to... Uh, Okay, before we go into that, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. I, want, I just want to build a background on fighting from the spiritual. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Remember, we are already blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. All, all, not some. All spiritual blessings. Then it says in verse 12, 6 to 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness, of this age, against spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Take note. Heavenly places. Whatsoever you're doing is already in the heavens. Whatsoever God has given to you is already in the heavens. There are also some principalities that are there that want to contend with your blessings, that want to contend with your promises. So not until you begin to fight. And remember, we are not fighting like struggling with the enemy. We, or not until we have the understanding. It is a, it's becoming a cliche in the, in the kingdom and in, in the Christian body that we are fighting from a place of what? Victory. Now, how much of that understanding do we have that we are really fighting from a place of victory? I was counseling someone uh, a few months ago. He said, this young man was actually giving up on God. A lot of things were happening to him. And he actually lost his dad. And his dad was a pastor. And some little issues, a little mistake just happened in the, in the, in the hospital. Not in the U.S., but back home. And they made a mistake and the dad died. It was something that was controllable. It's something that would not happen in an advanced country anyways. And he prayed, he said he prayed, he was a pastor of a church, and he was a man of faith, and he died. And this guy was struggling up to the extent that he stopped coming to church. And then what actually led to him uh, stop coming to church was that he said, I hear my mom praying. And every little thing, after the prayer, she's scared. She's binding the devil. She's professing faith. Something happens, and then she starts speaking negative. And she said, I, "And he said, I cannot draw a line between a, a faith that this woman is professing and the lifestyle she is living." Now, that's why I said, "How much do we understand 
about fighting from the place of victory. So, if we are fighting on the premises of the victory that has been wrought through the redemption of the cross, so why will something happen to you and then shake your prophecy or your profession or your confession? So, do we really, really, really have that understanding of fighting that God has secured our victory in Christ? So, the devil knows when you are not sure about your victory. And he, he doesn't know everything. How does he know? It's by throwing little things to see where you are. And the very moment you shrewd or you shift, okay, she's just a multi-person and then whatever she's saying, whatever he's saying is not coming from within. It's not coming from a, the depth of the understanding of the word of God that this person has. And that was why Paul was telling them in, 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 in Galatians, he said, he said, stand now, therefore, the liberty. He was like saying it there. He said it like two to three times in the stand. The, all the devil wants to do is just to bring one thing there to just push you away. And the very moment you just make a little step, he's got you. He knows. That is the way he knows that you are not there. If I begin to speak, to tell you the truth, the devil cannot. He is not God. He will not know until he does something to make me move. Are you getting what I'm saying? So he's not all-knowing. He pushes something to you. And if you are standing, you say, okay, okay, I think uh, this person. So that is where the heavenly realm is. And then that is where you can actually begin to draw your victory. I'm trying to build a background concerning these young people that God was speaking to. Now, also, just to uh, address this point, let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 5. It's similar to Ephesians. He said, For the weapon of our warfare are not what? Carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of what? Stronghold. These strongholds are not the monuments that are built in your father's compound. It is not a shrine that is in a place. It is no object around the world. Yeah, those might be some significant stronghold, but the stronghold he's talking about is your conception, is what you have in your mind. If you go further, he's going to talk about imaginations and bringing a lot of things to the obedience of, to God. He said you have to bring it down because it is your job, because the devil actually works with our imagination. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, what the mouth speaks. When the devil has given you so much thought and you have created so much things inside of your mind, it becomes a stronghold. It's just like a strong tower. It's something that will become a reference point in your life too. I don't know if I'm making any sense right now. So look at those three scriptures. So whatsoever you're doing, you have to fight from the, from the spirit realm. You call it forth from the spirit realm and then it begins to manifest. I don't, probably we have not gotten to where we are right now. Probably because we've not stood fair 
in the promises that God has given to us. So, now you are fighting from the spirit realm and the spirit realm controls. And remember that your imaginations are not tangible. They are in between the spirit realms. Take note of that. Your imaginations are not tangible. It is, the, it is the intangible that brings in the tangible. So when your thoughts are right and are aligned with the scripture, then your mind can walk, can, can contact, can connect, can draw from the spirit realm into the visible realm what God has ordained and planned for you. So we need to set that right. Walking from a, the place of victory, it doesn't matter what is happening. I know it has been done. Yeah, you might throw some doubt, fear doubt, or whatsoever, sicknesses, whatsoever. But I'm still going to stand. You was going to say, Donald, it looks so easy saying it. Yes, it sounds easy, but when you are grounded, when you spend more time and you are now becoming like God in your study, that is looking at the law, the perfect law of liberty. He said you are being transformed into what? That same image. So when it is what it is what you eat, you become. So that is what makes it easy for some and makes it difficult for some. Paul said that Christ be formed in you. It is what you hear. It says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it becomes easier for you when you feed on the word of God. And when the enemy is bringing stuff into your life, you can easily throw the things that you don't want based on the scriptural knowledge which you have. So, the scripture helps you to draw, sorry, the scripture helps you to stand. And when you stand, you begin to draw those things that are in the spirit realm into the physical. Amen. So, what God promised the children of Israel was a physical land, but it was also a thing that they have to draw from the spiritual. Because if you look at the end of the story, there was nothing physical they did to get into that land. It was all spiritual. So, now, let me go to another, another point. He said, call me, a, uh, call me men of influence. That is my own word. He said, leaders. It means that they were men of influence. Not every man is a good influence. The fact that you are a leader... Okay, let me rephrase my word. What kind of influence as a leader are you having? God told him specifically, don't go to any man. Don't go to a child. Don't go to, to uh, uh, a, a prodigy or whatsoever. Go to someone that is a leader that, is, that has an influence around his community. That one person or two people can listen to and draw good judgment from them and let them go spy the land. So what kind of influence are you? The church has a mandate right now. Leaders have been called. And that is God speaking through the leadership of the church to call men of influence to speak on his behalf. What kind of leader? Twelve. 
and these were from different tribes. So I just imagine how the other tribes are being influenced by their leaders. So I just wanted to draw that. We're still coming back to that. That was in uh, Numbers chapter 3. You are, whether you're a leader, okay, let me bring it down. Someone said, okay, uh, Mr. Donald, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a youth leader. I'm not a, uh, a choir leader. If you are a dad, you are a leader. If you can talk to one or two people and they sit down for like two or three minutes and listen to you, you are an influencer. So what kind of message are you sending whenever you are with someone? Especially when you are at work and all things are actually not going the way it seems it should go. And you just speak some negative words. I have been there. I remember in my previous job, I, I was just there. The, the kids were not doing well. The teachers were just saying this, saying that. Everything was all negativity. And behold, I was there contributing to that negativity. And I thank God for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit just immediately, within a split second, said, you have sinned. I said, Holy Spirit is gentle, but due to my relationship with him, he just told me, he said, you just sinned. And when, when, when he told me that, I withdrew, and I went somewhere, and I said, God, I'm really sorry. I said, but this is the real fact. He said, but you need to be a light. That was the word he told me. He said, in this situation, what light did you show in there? What kind of light did you show? What light, kind of light did you give? And... I learned something from that. If I really don't have something to say that is positive, I just withdraw. Just go somewhere and I just take a deep breath. And by the grace of God, I've been able to make light out of things when I withdraw. And they called me uh, when I was living. A teacher said, I'm I'm always the person that uh, brings in the little light into those chaotic (laughs) situations. That was the way she described me. You know, the Holy Spirit expects you to be an influence. No matter how small, no matter how big, no matter how, how inconsequential, I don't know the English to use right now, the matter or the situation may be. He just wants you to just drop that light in there and let that person see that there is hope in that tunnel. Amen. So you are influencing people. So, I just wanted to say that God specifically called for men of influence. Now, let's go to Numbers chapter 22. This is where my title came from. It said, what is your reference point? Numbers chapter 22. Sorry, Numbers chapter 13, verse 22. Numbers chapter 13, verse 22. We're still reading on, uh, on that particular chapter. And Moses went, sorry, and they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Ahiman, Sheshar, Temai, and the descendant of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Now, what is the importance or significance of Hebron in that passage? All of those towns that were named, when I, when, I, when I was doing the study on this, they were very, very important. 
but I singled out Hebron. What is the significance of, sorry, significance of that town or the city? Let's go. Let's go to Genesis chapter 13. We're going to read from 14 to 18. We're going to see the significance of, of Hebron. Okay. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lord had separated from him, lift your eyes. Now look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Let's go ahead. For all the land which you see, I give to you. Take note of that word. All the land which you see, I give to you. When you go back to Numbers, it said, the land I'm going to give to them. But in the past, God said, I have given it to your forefathers. He said, all the land, as far as you can see, I will give that land to you. So it is already a dundee for Abraham. So let's go ahead. And I will give to your descendants forever. So whatever he has given to Abraham or Abraham at that time was already for his descendants. But if you go back to the days of his descendants or you go forward to his descendants, you see that he said, this is the land I'm giving. It's like a future stuff. But it was already given to the, to the father, to the forefather. And I was really drawing a line. And that was when the Holy Spirit told me that they really need to fight for it. This, it has been signed, sealed in the spiritual realm. So you need to call it forth and bring it forth to the physical. And that was why he needed men of influence to go see what. Because the same procedure he gave to Abraham, that is the same procedure he gave to his descendant. Go see. He told Abraham, see, I will give to you. And Abraham actually looked and he saw and he believed and it was counted unto him what? Righteousness. The same people were supposed to perform the same act of faith and go walk in there. Abraham did not walk. He was only looking around. Though he was in the city, Hebron. And he saw. And he claimed it. He received it. That is why Jesus said something. He said, if you ask anything in my name, he said, believe that you have what? Received it. Amen. So, and I will make your descendant as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its breadth, for I give it to you. Can you, can you draw a relation with what he said to the, to the forefather and what he's saying to the children? The same thing. You know, we always say God is the same today. He was the same yesterday. And what, what he did yesterday is what he's going to repeat again. And it's going to be like that forever. That is what faith is all about. If it worked for the dad, you should look back to it and say, it should work for me. 
significance of Hebron. The last, uh, let's go to 18. Verse 18. Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth tree of Mary, which are in Hebron, and built an ark there to the Lord. Now, when someone builds an ark, it means so many things. I'm just going to draw one. One is that I receive it, it is established, and it is mine. It sees a covenant. That is one thing about an altar. When he built the ark, he was receiving that place by faith. Reference point. Let's go to the definition again. And they went through Hebron. And he said a reference point is an idea, a fact or event that you already know. They already knew that God has promised them this land through their father. Now, if God could do it for Abraham, reference point right now, it means that he can do it for who? For us right now. So we can go to the land and then take it for ourselves because of what? The reference point. Unfortunately, only two people got the reference point. And I want to say something. If you, if you read uh, what we read, it said, Hebron was already built seven years before Egypt developed. Now, one of the things I draw from that is that, and if you go back to Genesis, the Anaks were not there when God gave the land to Abraham. Your promises are older than your challenges. Amen. Some of you did not get it. Whatsoever God has given to you is older, stronger, more tangible and solid than what you are going through right now. So, don't let it trouble you. Because the one that spoke saw that thing he gave to you before the challenge started. And he is going to stand firm by his word to fulfill his promises for you, not your promises for yourself. He gave you that promise. And he is the ancient of days. His promises are are as old as he is. You may think it is just for you. You are so finite. But whatever he has given to you, he has given to you before you were even born. So all you need to do is to trust that promise. Hebron was there before the Anak. And that is the reference point of Caleb. And Joshua, they were not looking at the Anaks, they were looking at their God. The one who made that promise is greater than what we see. When I was doing this uh, study, and I told some people, they, uh, it, it is still not, they said it's, it's valid, but it's not, some said it's not valid, but a lot of uh, scholars said it's valid. They said they believe. No, the, one of the reasons I didn't really want to use that uh, analogy is because. Are, uh, people might want to trivialize what God can do. 
some of them said that the Israelites are naturally, the rebreed, not the ones that started uh, interbreeding. They are not at all. They are not at all. Actually, when I went to Dubai, when I saw, hope you are listening, when I saw some people down there, they were this. And typically, most of the people in the Middle East are not very, very tall. So they said probably because of their height, the Anak were not really a giant. And somebody said that their specific height was not given. Just like Goliath's height was given. Just like some other people that came from the descendant of Goliath, their height were given. So he said it makes it not to be a fact. So they were just looking at their height based on the height of those people. It's probably someone, some said that they might just be like 12 foot tall. And they were like, maybe five, four point something. Right? That could be true. But it doesn't matter the height of those people. But the height of God is far, far, far greater. More hefty. God is more experienced than anyone in, the, in that city. So I just want to, that is the point you should take. God's promises is older. Now, the challenge is for you to stand in God's word. Stand in the liberty that God has placed you. Now, I want you to write down this. You must understand the kingdom culture. You must understand the kingdom culture. Now, Jesus Christ was talking to his disciples. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. And in any kingdom, there is a culture. A culture is a way of life. It's the way people talk. It's the language they speak. It's the, it's the way they dress. It's the, it's the way they act. So, when you see me talking, you know where I'm from. Because that is my culture. When I see someone else talking, I know this person probably is from Central America or South America. Now... When you begin to talk, I can tell if you are of the kingdom. Pastor will always say this. He said, you need to learn the language of the kingdom. The kingdom has a language. These are part of the traits of the kingdom. What kind of traits are you manifesting? Now, the kingdom trait is the spoken word. And that is what the ten missed. Their reference point was the children of Anak, not what God has said to their father while he was in Hebrew, where he built an ark to receive the promise that was to be given to his children. He received them on their behalf. Now they are there and they are living and they needed to step in the foot of their father. And the same procedure that God used for their father, that is the same procedure he used for them. Go see walk through it, and then you need to speak and receive it. And they actually went there and they brought what? An evidence. There was a big, big tree or a big uh, vine or whatsoever they brought in that shows that it was actually what God said it was. But the reference that they also had on, the, on their shoulders was not gigantic enough to bring up their faith to receive what God has given to them. But yet it was the anarchy that were, don't know how tall they were. They said they were giants. And that Anax were big, or the Anax were bigger than the God who sent them. 
and they made that their reference point and they began to tell, influencing the people around them. Ten against two. Ten men against two men. Ten tribes against two tribes. Can you see the ripple effect right now? And every one of them started talking. Whoa, God cannot do this. God, yeah, this is what we saw. You, you, the little things. And uh, I'm jumping the gun right now. So, what are you speaking? What are you saying? Kingdom culture. I'm a child of the kingdom. Are you really influencing people with the word of God? Are you the light that God has sent you to be? Now, let's look at examples. We're going to look at, we already talked about Joshua and Caleb. Numbers 13, uh, 30. Just two people. They compared the situation. I've said here that don't think situationally. Speak the revelation that you have gotten. The situation was the people. The revelation was the promise. And I'm keying into that promise and it's becoming the revelation and it's working within me and I'm speaking it out. Caleb is speaking it out. Should, I began to ask God, so why did Caleb become the, the leader? Because he was the one that spoke loudest. He said, we can take up these people. He said, the God that has given... He was not even talking about the people anymore. He was talking about the God. He was not talking about himself anymore. He was talking about God. Now, he actually placed God where he is supposed to be. And then, because he was placing God down there, and God elevated him to that place. You know, when you're talking about magnifying God, this is one of the concepts I've gotten. You, God cannot get bigger than what and who he is. When you magnify God, now you are magnifying yourself above your situation. You are placing yourself in the stage. said, you are God's. So now, God is actually giving you a download of who he is, and then you are already in, on a platform. Because God is already that big, big God, that mighty God. And then he begins to show you who he really is, and then when you compare who God is to where you are, you begin to walk tall. And that is when people begin to call you crazy. Why are you not talking the way we are talking? Are you high? Probably you've smoked some weed. But you have just downloaded. I talked about you. He said, the more you study, he said, you behold that image and then you have been transformed into that same image from what? Glory to glory. You have just, in your mind, take note, in your mind, in your spirit, you have been elevated. And so the devil has become so small. And that is when he begins to know who you really are. I know that I cannot push this person. Even if I try to bring that stuff into that person's life, he's already somewhere higher than my own realm. In the heavenlies, and I'm also in the heavenlies. I'm here in the heavenlies. He's somewhere there where God really is. So that person is downloading and getting what God has actually given to him. Are we making some connection right now? And that is where God wants you to be. And that is where Caleb and Joshua placed themselves. To call the whole story short, they were only the two people, the two guys that actually saw the promised land. They lived beyond. 
Number two, David and Goliath. David was not looking at the height. He was looking at God. The guy was disdaining. The guy was cursing at him. David never said anything about his sword. Actually, he actually took all of those swords away. He took his slings. And he never said anything about his sling. When I was reading that story again, I was just looking at David talking from a position. And this is what I want to say to people. Your position in life we make you understand your opposition in life. I'm going to say this again. Your position in life will give you a better understanding of your opposition. So, if your position is brought down to this place and your position is up here, so you are, you are going to start looking at your position this way. But if you understand your position and you know that you are somewhere here and your position is down there, when you're talking, you're talking down on your position. And if you're talking, talking down on, your, posi- on a, your position, are you scared? That's why we use the word. Why are you talking down on me? Because you know who you are. And then you begin to speak according to your position, not looking at your position, no matter how much money, no matter how much strength, no matter uh, the, 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 the stuff your position had. But because you understand, David understood his position. His position was in God. He said, you come with me, come to fight me with what? With, uh, with, with sword, with javelin, with this. He said, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. His position. That is why a young, rudy boy of about 17, he's up to that, can actually be looking at somebody that he's supposed to be looking up to. And the Bible says something, he ran! Position. If you understand your position, your position does not matter. You begin to speak. Amen. Then I'm not going to, because when I start talking, a lot of things will start coming out anyway. So I'm going to just. Mary. Mary was a young, young lady, and then we told him that she was going to have a child. Historians say that she was like 13. Some say she was like 16. Never knew a man. He said, You are going to conceive and give birth. How can this thing be? That's what she said. It is so impossible. Then the Holy Spirit said, sorry, the angel said, that, said, the Holy Ghost shall overshadow you. Whatsoever you are going to have is not a product of your strength. It's not a product of your intellectualism. It's not a product of your academic prowess. It is about what the Holy Spirit can do through you and in you. And what did she say? Be it to me according kingdom culture, kingdom language. Reference point. And he quickly said, go see your cousin. I don't know if he's a cousin right now. Elizabeth. He said, this is the one they called what? Barren. He said, she has a child. She ran to that place. Reference point. If the Lord can do it for that person, they call it barren. So who? What is my situation? A reference point. 
What is your reference point? Or is your reference point like the king's right hand man in the days of Elijah? When the Assyrian barricaded, there was a siege around the city that even a head of a donkey was sold very, 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 very high price. And the man made a very notorious statement. He said, even if God, his situation was what was happening around him. He said, even if, can you see how your position in life can make you relegate God to, 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 to the lowest point in life? He said, even if God, you open the windows of heaven. He said, this thing will never happen. How much are you giving to what is happening to you? I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm also talking to myself. God. Like that young man just said, back home, I don't believe in God because he has allowed what the mom is doing, what happened to him. I'm not blaming him, but somehow, but something, when you allow situations to make you look at God. You know, I was talking to Auntie Gladys, we were, we were just talking, you know, and I've already gotten that concept. Do you know that? No matter what you believe does not change who God is. They said that if everyone were living on earth, there was no one dying. Probably there could have been like close to like six trillion or whatsoever people. All these people, they have died. God has not changed a bit. So what gives you the tiniest bit that your, your opinion will change who God is, that he doesn't exist. He's still holding the, the earth. He's still faithful. Even if God will open the windows of heaven. And he cast him. He said, well, well, it was a good one. You will see it. That is a good one. <laughs> but test it. Ah, what happened. And funny enough, he saw it. And when it was, ah, you know, that is where we all are right now. We will not believe something. And when it happens, you want to key into it. No, not really, no you didn't key into it. But when you see it happen, you want to go be a, a particular. You are a thief. No, 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 no. Let's think about it. You never believed in it. But it happened. And now you want to go get it. And that's why we begin to say, oh, it happened to that person. Do you know the price that person paid for it? The emotional blackmail he got from his family for believing against all odds, like Abraham did. Stay there. The promise, your reference point. God is real. I'm not trying to play down on your situation. Play up your God. Play up your God. God has given us a vision. God has said a lot of things concerning you as a person. I'm just here to encourage you. That is the, the reference point that you should stand. Look back. If there's nothing to make you stand, look for a believer that God has done something for. That's why we need to speak testimony. Testimony. You see, we overcame by the, the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. Look for that person that God has done something for. Ask him. Pray with him. Praise with him. And let that person lift up your soul like Elizabeth did with Mary. 
And you're going to see God working out things for, for you. Even as we step into this new year, don't play down on his promises. They will be fulfilled. Mama says something. Write your stuff. I've read, I've read, I'm writing my, uh, I've written three. It's going to happen. Those are the things God said is going to be for me. And I'm going to wait. When things are happening that are contrary to what I don't, sure, I've already told God, whatsoever happens, I'm going to stand with that promise you have given to me. Can we rise on our feet? Amen. Sorry, I, I went a little bit. I thought I was going to finish uh, <laughs> 815. Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you for your word which you have given to us. Your promises are yea and amen. Because you don't change, your promises towards us will not change. We are going to stand firm. We're going to speak your word. We're going to talk about what you have said. And we're going to see the light in the dark tunnel because you are God. You are God. And your words stand the same. Thank you for your people that are here right now and those that are home that are going through some uh, through one or two challenges right now. Holy Spirit, you know, I want you to begin to remind them of your promises. I want you to begin to remind them that you are still faithful. You still work wonders that you did in, the, in time past. You can still do it even in this present day. Let their faith come alive. Let their faith be, be, be made stronger in the name of our Lord Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. Lord, you will take us home safely and you will give us a good night rest. Thank you, Lord, for in Jesus Christ's name we have prayed. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.